0: Hello and welcome to the Unmasked podcast. We are back. This is at C. To Lean and I am joined tonight by Miss Southern Sinek. Hey, girl. Hi. Hey. And so we are down one. Akira is dealing with Irma. She is still, um, she's in South Florida, like South, South Florida. So her and her family are. Um, dealing with the, the aftermath of Irma so she could not report for us tonight. So I think we've all been stressed this week in one way or another about Irma. How about you?
1: I've had my own hurricanes, but yes, Irma has contributed to the stress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my parents are in
0: Georgia, so they were without power for like a day and stuff. So um yeah, that was, that was a bit much for me, but yeah, um, I, I'm hoping that she will get to go home soon, but I don't think she was really able to even think about when they would be able to, you know, their lives get somewhat back to normal. So we're just thinking about Akira and, you know, you guys, if you follow her on Twitter, definitely drop her a line to say that you're thinking about her and everything. So that would be, I'm sure she'd appreciate that. But um, let's get <laughs> us to this episode. We're almost done with season two. And you and I were just saying that we are ready for season three to begin. We are sick of the teasing and the taunting. <laughs> we have a little bit less than a month to go. So so um, Southern Cynic, do you watch it? Do you tweet it live with us East Coasters? Are you just
1: like an hour behind me or or what? No, I I watch it live. I'm I'm right there on the that bot hashtag watching with everybody as soon as the show comes on. So, okay. I, I can't wait. There's yeah. no, you know, waiting to see this show. I'm on as soon as it hits the air, I'm I'm on it. <laughs> That's cool.
0: We're going to have to make sure we tweet from our um on Mass podcast um twitter page so we can be out there and people can recognize us out there um during the live tweet and stuff but i'm so excited for that night i'm gonna have to like take a nap so i can stay (laughs) and
1: and tweet and then i'll be like meet
0: me in the dm so we can talk about this
1: Yeah, I'm going to be on everybody's nerves that day. I think mm, season two, I just spent the whole day with Mr. Robot, everything. I didn't tweet anything but Mr. Robot on my feet. So, yeah, be prepared. Okay. It's coming. People, you've
0: been duly warned. You have been duly warned what is going to go down on that day. But we are mm-hmm. on episode 10, mm-hmm. Hidden Processes, or Hidden Process. And I'm kind of frustrated because, you know, my hubs has been watching season two for the first time this summer and he actually passed me. I'm doing a rewatch, but so he's always been like an episode or two behind me. And then he went to New York for the weekend and he ended up finishing the series on the train. So now he's all like, Oh, have you watched episode 11 yet? Have you watched episode 12 yet? I'm like, I watched them all, sir, but I'm just on episode 10, just calm
1: down. So now he's trying to rub stuff in. I'm like, I already know, but, so I, was I, like. enjoying. I thought he, you know, wasn't the biggest fan of the season, too. I'm but. not going to say <laughs> he around. wasn't the biggest fan. I was
0: disappointed that he wasn't as excited about it as I was. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll appreciate this. He he has certain feelings about Angela. Like, he doesn't like her at all. Like, in no shape and way or form and I'm always like I don't get that but he like doesn't like Angela at all
1: Mm, I can appreciate it I know you can I know you
0: can (laughs) but but you know he hurts my feelings because he has not watched one he hasn't listened to one episode of this podcast so he hurts my feelings all the time he has no excuse anymore since he's actually finished the season so if he actually listens to an episode I will let you know um But this week, we start off the episode, um, we get to see Colby again. He's there. He's written a book. Um, The title of his book is The Last Honest Man. So I guess the titles of these books are actually the opposite of reality. That kind of reminded me of Maria Sharapova's book that's coming out, and the title of her book is Unstoppable. I don't think so, boo. What were you thinking no. about
1: seeing Colby again? It's just typical, you know certain people can just survive any kind of scandal and come out on top and just write a book about it and and make even more money and you know put their name out there even more so i uh, Kobe. Uh, I hope we never see him again. I don't need to see Kobe again. My thing was, it's Price thinking that he was some kind of creation by God, you know, that that, that he has to be the center of all power in the room or whatever he was saying. I It just makes me think that, um, you know, all tyrants fall. And mm-hmm. I just need that fall to come he is so full and sure of himself that nothing can bring him down well he I did say what he did
0: say he he did say when he was talking about being the most powerful person in the room he said he was the most powerful person in every room except for one or two so I was kind of wondering who is he considering to be more powerful than him at this point um you know he is always talking about the president and they price and um colby were really getting on my nerve because they kept talking about obama talking about president obama and i was just like uh can you take his name out your mouth please sirs <laughs> they were getting on my nerves um and this whole, the, they keep talking about the UN. They've talked about this UN vote, UN resolutions entire season two. Now they're talking about China wanting the Congo and just like, I, I just feel like the more Sam gives us, the less I know what's going on um, with White Rose and what she wants to, to happen. Just this play by play between price and minister zhang i just feel more confused as episode two happens to really know like what's really happening here like i feel like i don't have a big picture i have like the tiniest corner of the picture and so i'm hoping in season three um even more will be revealed but i'm like you i'm ready for the big baddie that's priced to kind of come into his due, but you know what, girl, I don't think that's gonna
1: happen. I, like you said, I want to know who these uh, other two powerful forces that he's trying to surpass. Who are they? Because I would think that it would be like Rose, but by the way he talks, it's, it's like it's, it could be somebody else above her. Mm-hmm. You know. And I wonder if in season three we'll see that and that big baddie is going to put Price in his place because he's stepping out of bounds.
0: Can you imagine Uh someone worse
1: than Price, though? Considering the world as it is now, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. (laughs) You know, bigger and badder. Everybody thinks, you know, they're the big bad and that they're, you know, at the top of the mountain, but there's, there's always somebody worse. That's true. Someone aspiring to be worse. You know, what if it's just somebody who's small, no, some, nobody that, that Price, you know, didn't even see coming and he just gets blindsided by it. Either way, he's going down in season three. I've, I've spoken it into the universe. It will happen.
0: Okay, that's your prediction. It's, it's, on, it's on record. It's recorded. So when it happens, you can say, do you remember what I said? And we'll be like, yes, girl, we remember. Okay, so I'm on board with that. I'm on board with that. I just don't know who could replace them because you know every, episode, every um, series has to have the big bad. And I don't know if I want to imagine someone worse than him, but we'll see. But speaking of um being big and bad, we get to see Miss Joanna. Um, oh, honey, girl. It was, girl, she was in that closet, putting on her clothes. Oh. Here, but here's something that kind of I don't know if you caught this. This is something that stuck out to me. She's putting on her perfect dress, her hair is perfect, she's putting on her lipstick. But when you get a close up of her fingernails, her fingernails were raggedy. She needed a manicure. Like her um, you can like see the whites of her nails underneath, like her oh. her manicure had kind of grown out a little bit and it was a little chipped
1: and stuff. So she I don't was know. A she was a little janky. It was but, you know, I really- I, you really can't blame her for it because can she even really go outside now without being harassed by people? I wouldn't want to go, you know, go into the salon. But then again, she seems like the type of person who could have a, a, a manicurist come to her. I don't know. But I, I didn't notice it until you pointed it out. And yeah, her nails were kind of chunky. I'm going to need her to step it up a little bit.
0: Well, you know, I think mm-hmm. you're, you're right because we saw earlier in the season when she was um, taking her baby out for a walk, Baby whose name we still don't know. Baby we don't barely see. Um, and she got the red paint thrown on her. So definitely because of Tyrell, she definitely has um, people are looking for her. She's kind of an enemy of the state, kind of. And then um, she also has money issues because, remember, she went to Scott wanting um Tyrell severance package or whatever so she's having some money issues, so She's probably sitting at home trying to do her own nails and don't know how but um mm-hmm. We saw at the end of episode 9 when Elliot um, the day that Elliot got out of jail or prison He returns home and Joanna is sitting outside of his apartment and we know from this episode that what she wants from Elliot is for him to find Tyrell and their whole interaction in her, when he's standing in front of her and she's just sitting there looking at him and not saying anything and just smiling. All I could think of is how uncomfortable Elliot must've felt like in and the fact that I do that to people at
1: work. <laughs> <laughs> she looked like a tiger sizing up her prey, just trying to figure out, okay, do I go for the throat? You know, or do I go through, you know, the admin, you know, what do I need the slow kill or the fast kill here? Let me just size him up and figure out what I need to do. It really
0: was a sizing him up. You know, and it was interesting that Mr. Robot was nervous as well. Like Joanna is that powerful that even like big, bad Mr. Robot is like, don't tell her he's dead or we will never get out of here. Like every part of Elliot realized I'm in danger. I am in <laughs> danger here.
1: He's <laughs> truly in a snake's den, really. Yeah. But it was, was, that whole, scene, I, let me ask you a question. Do you think that Joanna actually loves Tyrell, or does she see their whole relationship as really a partnership? This is a guy who's going to help me get what I need, what I want, when I want it. That is an or interesting does question. she really truly really
0: I can't tell with her. I think as much as she can, she loves him. But that story that she told Elliot about the first night that they met, the fact that she told him, asked him, what would you do to get me those earrings? And I want you to, I'm going to put it gentler. I want you to sleep with her and get me those earrings. And the fact that he did it they definitely have some you know uh, an instant connection because I, I can't imagine one asking some dude I'm on a date with for the first time to do that for me and him actually doing it um, but there's definitely this issue of control with Joanna and um, Akira talked about this Early in the season when we were talking about um, BDSM and the fact that Joanna appears to be a submissive and the fact that um, Akira was pointing out that submissives actually have a lot of control in the bedroom. Um, and you see that Joanna uses sex a lot or her sexuality as a way to manipulate and control. Um, she, we see her doing it with Derek. We see her do it with Tyrell. I felt in some ways she was using her sexuality with Elliot, how successful she was with that. I'm not sure, but I don't, I think as much as she can, she loves Tyrell. He definitely fulfills needs for her, but I don't know. Joanna seems cold. What what are your thoughts? How do you answer that question?
1: I I don't know. And it's, it's just been knocking at the back of my brain ever since the start of the season. All I see with those two are just two sociopaths who think they're in love. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's it's just hard to say, but you know, me, I love Joanna. She's, she's that bitch, you know, she's going to get what she wants. She sees the long game. She knows how to play it. But when it comes to those two, I just wonder, you know, what, what is the real relationship here? You know, why would you even bother having a child with someone that you just see as a partner? Like what is supposed to come of this in the long run? Mm -hmm. I do wonder about why she had that baby.
0: I I mean, she does not seem, I don't know. I don't want to say maternal, but it doesn't seem like she does anything if it doesn't benefit her. I think part of the problem or part of the reason she's so obsessed with Tyrell coming back is because this is something he's done without her permission more than love. Do you know what I mean? Um, Because everything we saw in season one was her controlling him, her telling him what to do, um, where we see her start to lose control is when he kills um, Scott's wife, when he kills Susan Jacobs. She didn't have any part of that plan, and he kind of went off on his own. And we start to see her, you know, when she has had the baby and they're in the um, hospital room, tell him, if you don't fix this, you're out of this family. So kind of giving him this ultimatum, and then he disappears. So it's almost like, maybe she's seeing, I've lost him, I've lost this control, I need to get him back so I can regain this control with him. And it feels like, you know, Tyrell has been manipulated by her and that with his killing of Susan Jacobs, with the Five-Nine attack with Elliot, is him kind of, you know, taking control back. And that seems like that has been a theme of the series with Mr. Robot and Elliot, Joanna and Tyrell its just these two sides of a coin kind of fighting for control, ultimate control.
1: Yeah. I just I just wonder and I guess we can come back to the question after the last episode. Mm-hmm. Some things are revealed because I, I noticed that in the past, Tyrell doesn't really even talk about Joanna as if she's some, you know, as if she's important in his life. Mm-hmm. When has he really mentioned her other than to show her off? That's the point. But, you know, we can, we can talk about that another time. Do you know,
0: I was, um, we we're supposed to be talking about Joanna and we kind of are going in depth with her, but I was um, reading some stuff about her character online and I read something and I, I have no memory of this, but um, what I had read about her was that Joanna had a baby when she was 15 and that baby was put up for adoption.
1: Yeah, she she had the baby, it was put up for adoption. I don't think she even really got to hold it. For, uh, I can't remember the circumstances of how she became pregnant, Mm -hmm. but she gave that baby up and she lamented on the fact that she always, you know, thought about that child. But it still doesn't explain, like, why would you have a child with this man that, for, you know, all purposes, I can't tell that you actually love or care about? Was this Mm an accident? Was this intentional? Was this part of your? goals and plans you know what what is the reasoning behind this i just don't i don't understand their whole relationship other than a big giant power play
0: yeah I'm, i'm thinking power play i could see like tyrell maybe wanting a family or this was a way to continue to control tyrell through having his baby um but yeah, cause like you, said, I mean, power plays. I mean, she just doesn't do things just to do things. Um, there's a reason they're, behind
1: it. They're like the Underwoods, light. That's how I see them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I imagine they would get along with the Underwoods until they try to kill each other. But <laughs> a, yeah, yeah. yeah. So
0: it's going to be interesting. Season three is going to be interesting to see that dynamic um, between the two of them as well. But yeah, Joanna is, um, she's she is a force of nature. So she basically um, forces Elliot to find Terrell. Um, she has said she, she believes that he's calling her, um, He's left her presence, um, all of these things, and she wants to know where he is. I mean, that's like the first time we kind of see desperation with her um, articulated in that way. So that was interesting, and that brings Elliot to, um, and he's in the car with Mr. Sutherland, and they go to buy um, hardware for him to find out where Tyrell is. And my first question was, who is paying for this stuff? Because the one laptop or whatever he bought was like $1,800 or 1800 eCoin or whatever. And it wasn't clear to me, was Joanna paying for this? Because she said she didn't have that much money. And Elliot left his credit card at the jailhouse. So I don't know how he
1: has any money. Who paid for this stuff, Southern Senate? You know, I thought Mr. Southern was the only one holding the purse strings. He seems to be really concerned about how much money they have. So maybe he just decided, you know, hey, we're going to get this information. This is a good expense this month. So we're just going to budget it out. We're going to get this $2,000 laptop. We're going to make it work.
0: Well, girl, that was like a whole cartload (laughs) full of stuff. I stand by myself. Okay. I, I don't know who paid for that because Mr. Sutherland has
1: to worry about him get him getting his paycheck every month. So maybe you know what was the name of it? Micro Center. Maybe they have credit. Oh, they, so have, they have a financing have plan. They, they probably have a
0: financing <laughs> plan. You don't yeah. have it, any payments for eighteen months. Yeah. <laughs> How are
1: they gonna give a excon <laughs> credit? Six months <laughs> famous cash.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to do that. I need to buy some windows. I need some I need some acorn financing for some new windows for my <laughs> house. But um one of the interesting things that happened while they were um shopping was that the telephone rang and Mr. Robot was like, I'm out. You don't see him for, like, the rest of the episode. <laughs> he didn't say goodbye. He didn't say, I'll see you later. He was just
1: gone. He's telling on himself, man. I've been saying all along that Mr. Robot wasn't on the up and up. Elliot better get his stuff together and realize that something's not right here. No.
0: No. And it's, it's so weird because it's like, Mr. Robot is him. We're talking about him. It's like, dude, uh, but Elliot is so, he's so funny. He's so funny when he talks to us. So he, he talked to us in the store asking us if we heard that because when the phone rang, we did hear someone breathing. And at this point, it's not clear who that is, but, um, They go back to the apartment and Elliot is so smart the way he figured out a way to track the phone was to have the police track the phone um, for them. And something interesting happened while they were there. Mr. Sutherland starts to talk to Elliot and Elliot is like, I'm not even here for listening to him. So he starts to talk to us and he is... Questioning Mr. Robot and saying, um, "Why was he so desperate for me to come back here? What is he looking for?" And he lets us look around his apartment to see if there's something um, that Mr. Robot might be looking for. Uh, what did you What did you think about that whole scene when when Elliot was was talking to us in that way?
1: I was trying to figure out. All the clues, um, and I remember that night watching it um, while people were live tweeting <laughs> and all the screenshots, and so I was trying to figure out like what is supposed to be there. This is just this big, where's Waldo kind of mystery going on? But um, I, I was looking for some kind of notes or maybe maybe the notebook. I I don't know what Mr. Robot could have left behind because it seemed like we weren't even. We weren't in the apartment the entire season up until now, really. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what I was supposed to be coming back to. And I can't remember if I went on Reddit to try to find uh, the clues other people were looking out. But I want to say it was the, uh, which I think we'll see in the next episode, the uh, Red Real Barrel Coding. It, you know, he, Mr. Robot was doing all of this for stage two behind the scenes and he left some, some um, decoding information behind. But I can't remember. I'm sure everybody figured it out on Reddit, though.
0: I'm sure they did. I'm sure. They, I, I mean, I can remember the first night I was like, oh, my gosh, we're really looking around the apartment. And then when I was rewatching it, I was like, I feel like I'm missing something that's probably obvious to everyone else. But it was like you, I'm looking for for all these things and I'm sure it was something small that um, I missed. So like you, I I didn't go searching to see um, what other people found. I'm just kind of waiting for it to be revealed to me. But once again, I thought, I just love how um, Sam gets the audience interacting with this show in this way. And it just reminds me of when I was watching season one for the first time and Elliot was talking to us and that episode um, when Elliot got angry with us and dropped us on the ground, basically, <laughs> and stuff. And it's just like, I love how they get the the viewers to be active participants in the show. And I mean, I can't think of any other any other series where I felt like, I was a character, like, I feel like I am a character in this story, and it's just, it's just brilliant, like, I don't think any other series will ever be able to replicate that.
1: So. I, I want to say almost that, you remember Lost? Mm-hmm. Did you have these it's when Lost was on the air. I, I think I recall feelings like this when, when Lost was airing and we were all trying to figure out what the heck is going on in this episode, what is happening, what are they trying to show us? What are they not showing us? It's it, it was on it's on that level of madness, you know? And I love Sam so much. And sometimes I want him to dial it back. I'm I'm not a member of Mensa. I can't figure out everything that you're slipping in under the radar. <laughs> it's yeah. hard. I need other people to figure this out for me, but I do enjoy the ride, and I appreciate that so much. It's so good. Yeah, it is. Shocked. It
0: is. It is. It is wonderful. It is wonderful. And he, you know, I I can't imagine like having a conversation with Sam. I mean, he seems nice because I know um, on Pirate Sat has had several Twitter conversations with him and he just had a recent conversation with him um, about the music in the series of, and he wrote a blog po- post about it. So if you guys haven't gone to OnPirateSat.com, you should definitely go there and see what he's blogging about. But Sam seems like a very nice um, person everything but I just like you said I don't think I'm on his level I don't think I'm on his level at all (laughs) but um Elliot is successful he's able to find the address of where um, Tyrell is and they're going to reveal that in the next episode so I'm not going to say anything tonight but for people who are listening you know we spoil it But one of the things that also happened while he was there was, um, Angela was texting him and he has Angela in his phone as Claudia Kincaid. And we know, um, from the flashback at the beginning of the episode and from season one, that that was a person that Angela always wanted to be. Now, did you read that book that she was referring to, um, do you know who Claudia Kincaid is as a character in a book? Girl, you know, I'm Googling that right now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's from the mixed up files of Mrs. Basil something. And it's basically these kids. Well, um, yes, these kids run away and they go live in a museum. Um, and it's pretty cool. Um, if you haven't read it, it's a fun book. It's definitely like a, a juvenile. It's in the juvenile section of the library. But I read this book when I was growing up. And then when I was, um, teaching a class, I had my kiddos read the book. And then there's actually a movie as well. So if you haven't read it, it's, it's good. i
1: have
0: to pick it up. Yeah, pick it up. It's it's a nice, quick little read. But it also speaks to, I think, um, the psyche of Angela and even what we hear from Darlene a little bit later, because the characters in that book are wanting to kind of run away and escape their lives and live in this fantasy world. And that is basically what Angela is saying, you know, with her saying she wanted to be Claudia is that she wanted to escape her life. And we get to hear from Darlene a little bit later when she's talking to Cisco about wanting to escape her life as well. And we've talked about her always running away as a child. So it was just that interesting connection with that book. So um, listeners, if you haven't read that book, check it out. You could probably read it in, in a day. It's a cute, sweet little story. So, um, but we see um, Angela texting him wanting to meet him. And so we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but let's, let's talk about what's happening with Darlene. Um, so at the end of the last episode, Cisco shows up with an injured Vincent and Vincent has been um, staying in the um, apartment that was the headquarters. He was injured in the, dc you know when they dropped the bulls balls in congress he was injured in that shenanigan and so cisco brings him to his apartment and darlene is trying to be all hard and stuff and cisco basically reads her for filth what what were you thinking about cisco in that moment
1: oh my god poor cisco he totally he 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 turned everything around for me in this episode for his character, <laughs> which is sad because as he's doing all of this telling Darlene that, you know, she basically ain't shit for wanting to let this dude just die on this sofa. He, <laughs> I knew he was going to end up dead by the end of this episode. Poor Cisco. He's come so far from, you know, being the, Douche Canoe, who is more, you know, watching women online to wanting to actually maybe kind of save somebody's life and do the right thing. I don't know. But, yes. I wish Darlene, (laughs) what's that? No, go ahead. You wish Darlene. I wish Darlene had, you know, listened to him a little bit more, maybe an episode or two back. Maybe she wouldn't be in this situation he's always trying to save her. So maybe he really does love her and she just doesn't appreciate it. She doesn't even see it, you know, to him, he's a tool. He's a tool to get things done, Mm -hmm. you know, but poor Cisco, I'm sorry. I, I know like Cisco, he ain't, he ain't shit for some of the stuff he's done in the past, but he's trying to steer her right. She's just not trying to hear it. That's all but Darlene's mixed up anyway. Anybody who would basically just decide that being kidnapped is better than being in the situation that you're in at home. You got issues.
0: Yeah. You know? She does I mean yeah. I mean I think you can see in that interaction that she is trying so hard to be something that she's not what she thinks a leader is. Um and I don't know if she's trying to emulate what she sees Mr. when Mr. Robot is in charge, if that's what she's trying to emulate, or if she just thinks she needs to be that unfeeling to be in charge. But it's interesting that she's kind of unfeeling with Vincent, and yet she's willing to risk so much to find Trenton and Mobley. That just kind of doesn't. Um, balance out for me because if she was really this uncaring you know he could identify us I don't know why she's willing to risk the wrath of the dark army for Trenton and Mobley so I think she you know she's definitely conflicted but I really appreciated Cisco basically just telling her you're not a leader you know you need to quit pretending and do what's right um, and you're absolutely right. She should have listened to him a while ago because he has been warning all of them from the get go about the dark army and telling them what they need to do. And they've kind of just been discounting what he said. Um, one of the things I was questioning as well is I kind of agreed with Darlene or whomever it was that said we should take him to the emergency room, but. We need to just drop him off and roll on. I would not have been sitting in that waiting room for Vincent.
1: So He told her. He tried to tell her. And I was sitting there thinking the same thing. That's all you have to do. Roll them out and keep going. Mm -hmm. Why are you, did they fill out insurance forms for this guy? You know, were they asking for warm blankets? Why are you hanging around? Mm -hmm. Leave. You've done your duty. I know, because it's
0: suspicious. It is going to be suspicious. It's a suspicious injury. The nurse is talking to you about these injuries are oh, What happened? Y'all should have just skedaddled. No sense was made in
1: this decision. Well, I, I guess Darlene's thing was she's more concerned about him talking and saying something he shouldn't while being under pain medication, but you're not, it's not like you're sitting there with him every second. Just go. I would think the dude would have sense enough not to say how he got into the situation that he was in.
0: Exactly. Cause he was running from the police. He's not going <laughs> to say anything. He don't want to go to jail. Oh, but you brought up one, one of the things she did sit and talk about. Um, I think was it in it was in the hospital when she told him the story about um being basically kidnapped
1: as a yeah, child. These are, things, these are things you discuss while sitting in an emergency room, in a waiting room. In public.
0: Where mm-hmm. people can just overhear you basically. You just spread your, your your secrets. But um, you know, that was just a really sad story. But One of the things that kind of struck me um, was that as happy as she was to be in this situation where this stranger was basically fulfilling her needs to feel loved and her wanting to stay there, the thing that made her okay with coming back home was Elliot Um, and the fact that she wouldn't have Elliot if she had stayed in kind of this dream Life or this ideal life that she was um, making up for herself with this person who kidnapped her, and I kind, of, you know, I was kind of touched by that. That Elliot means so much to her, um, and I, I guess, Darlene means that much to him. Do you think she does?
1: I think she does. if just his crazy just gets in the way. Mm. I, I think he truly does because he doesn't really write in, you know, in his journal, you know, about the memories of him growing up with Darlene. And he, he really does care about her. He has sympathy for the things she went through mm-hmm. in her childhood. It's Which I still question, like, why? was she the focus of all this abuse in the home? It doesn't seem like, I mean, Elliot got his share of it, but she mm-hmm. seemed to be the one the most, you know? Well,
0: I think, what, I think in the um, Red, Bar- Red Wheelbarrow, he did write about her, and I think he wrote about not knowing her as well as he would like to because she was gone a lot from, you know, running away. And then I think he was noting that Um, She tries to be tougher than she actually is. Um, And then the, the thing with the abuse, I always have to remind myself that we are seeing these things from Elliot's perspective and that maybe these are things that he's just kind of once again blocked out or doesn't want to remember. Maybe he doesn't want to remember all of his abuse and it's easier for him to either remember Darlene's abuse or just forget her completely because we do know he has a history of just kind of wiping her out of his memory banks. Um, You know, as probably a way for him just to cope with what they went through.
1: Yeah. And these are things I really want to, I wish Sam would expand upon. I I just feel like I have a lot of questions there about what happened in that house. And I know we get pieces of it in the journal, we get pieces of it in the show, but I feel like we're missing some key piece about their childhood that besides, you know, his dad dying and everything that happened at the plant, you know, there's something else there. And, you know, I wonder how much
0: Edward, had to play, cause we kind of focus on the mom and we do know that Edward either accidentally or on purpose knocked Elliot out of a window. But one of the things when I was, I was um, I had the episode on today again, this afternoon when I was doing something else. And when Darlene was telling her story and she was talking about going with the lady and she was saying, I didn't have to be with mom and dad anymore. So it wasn't just, Mom, she didn't want to be with anymore. She was also happy not to be with her dad, too. And I, that kind of struck me as, oh, that's that's kind of weird because we really haven't heard too many negative things about Edward, but she doesn't want to be with her dad either.
1: Well, an uh, uh, episode or two ago, I was thinking, you know, Mr. Robot has this angry, violent Streak in him. What if he was, you know, a contributor to all of this abuse in the home, and Elliot has just been blocking it out all this time? He only sees the good parts of his dad, mm-hmm. and his, you know, and every once in a while that delusion slips, and he, we get a glimpse of how Mr. Robot really was. Mm-hmm. But Edward both had. So I, I just wonder what what happened in that house. I don't know. I, we don't probably we don't need to see it for the yeah story. I was
0: I was just thinking maybe we can't handle what happened in that house
1: maybe poor yeah. Darlene I just can't that you would rather be kidnapped mm-hmm. and than, yeah. than be in your own home. yeah she,
0: she was bought by yeah, she, she was bought by Nathan's famous hot dog that's what that lady offered her, a hot dog. She said, what do you want? And that's all it took because no one had ever asked her what she wanted. Oh, so sad. Too much. Yeah. But um, Dom is on the case. She is like a bloodhound, basically, um, this episode. She is everywhere. Um she was at Susan Jacobs or she was at um, the apartment after, I don't know how the FBI or how the police ended up in the apartment in the first place. They didn't really say, but they called um, Dom, because when they were talking to neighbors, they described a person who looked like the FBI's sketch of what turns out to be Cisco. And that basically, um, got her on the trail to him. So one of the things that kind of struck me this episode is Santiago. So her boss for the FBI, I feel like he's kind of been a roadblock to Dom, and I'm questioning his loyalties. So when they were in, um, when they were in, where they in Hong When they were in China, and the shooting takes place he's magically up in his room when she's trying to talk to him after the shooting about the dark army he's kind of pulling her away from that trail now when she's trying to go after Cisco, he wants to put out the bolo which basically is going to you know let the dark army know what's up so they can kill him so i'm I'm questioning Santiago. Are you getting any vibe like that? Or is this just a, a me thing?
1: I was. And then they tried to explain it away by saying that um, the reason for his actions was due to F Society putting out that videotape of the FBI recording about, um, you know, wanting to record uh, people's uh, conversations and everything. I think mm-hmm. that was put third episode yeah. and all the backlash that came from that so they're trying to be more transparent now mm-hmm. but I still don't get it. But, but you're right I felt the same way the first time I watched it through that there was something you know in the undercurrent there that was it actually the dark army influencing him Do are they that deep that they can infiltrate the FBI and if that was the case then I would think their operation would go a little bit smoother, you know, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he's influenced so much by the dark army, but more of maybe higher ups, you know, pushing their thumb down, telling him he has to do things a certain Mm -hmm. way. And it's actually getting into Dom's way of doing her investigation. That is true because they were talking about FBI director
0: Comey again this episode, but I'm just like, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling Santiago um, at all. But Dom is, she's so brilliant. She's so just reflective and thinking about so many things. So somehow she ends up at Cisco's apartment. They get there pretty quickly um, we see a badge with um, Cisco's name Francis Shaw is on there they end up at the um, hospital and Dom is able to kind of figure out that Darlene and Cisco aren't aware that they are looking for them and that they're more than likely um, either going to come back to the ho- to the um, hospital or she might be able to find them and the last thing we kind of see in this episode is the Dark Army um, come up on a motorcycle and shoot up the, the diner. I remember the first time I saw it, I was so stressed that night when we were live tweeting because it just basically goes off when Dom runs out. And I can remember like rewinding to see if you could tell who got shot. Just all of this stuff going on on Twitter. I couldn't sleep that night because I was so hyped up. <laughs> so the first so when you saw it the first time you assumed that Cisco had
1: gotten shot, I thought everybody was dead. I was screaming. <laughs> <laughs> um, I said before, I love the music in this show. It really ratches up the tension of a scene, but I as far as I can remember, the tension from the music in this show was building for a straight 15 minutes. It seemed like it Mm -hmm. did not stop. It was a continuous tune and it just kept building and building and building until Dom showed up on the screen and she started walking across the street to the diner. And then I think it cut, the music cut out and you can hear the motorcycle come up (laughs) and you just knew it was about to go go down. But yeah, I remember that live tweet. It It was insane. I screamed, I hollered. I was like, "No, don't kill! At least, please don't kill Darlene." Off. Exactly. She has to live. I yeah. can't deal with Elliot's grief over learning that his sister had died. Oh Lord! Dark. Lord, everybody's gonna go down. But oh, uh, it was stressful. It was so stressful, and then waiting a the whole week to find mm-hmm. out that she was okay. Spoiler alert! I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry.
0: Sorry, y'all. Sorry. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I can just remember. I was I remember just rewinding like, did I see somebody move? Did I see a, a, a did, who, did I see some who fell? Did she duck before, you know, the shots rang out? It was it was just so it was stressful.
1: Covered all over herself. Just like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. She came out covered in blood, but there was nothing going on in the diner. Like, oh, everybody in the diner was mm-hmm. so stressful. I, I can't deal with what this show puts you through. Like, I feel like everybody needs to take anxiety med, med, um, medication before they start an episode. It's the only way to get through it.
0: I think and I'm going to. I think I'm going to drink before it starts, but then I won't be sharp for the tweeting. It's kind
1: of like, ooh, what it do you do? Like, it sounds like self-care. It's like a necessity. You need at least a shot or two at the mm-hmm. beginning. Just through, you know, and then you can finish the bottle afterwards because you're probably going to need it. I'm going to need because my problem with this show is, here's my issue. This is why I like when
0: it was on in the summer. During Starting in late August, my alarm goes off at 5.30 a.m., so I'm usually trying to sleep at 10. So already I'm going to be staying up till 11 to watch this show. And I know I'm going to be so amped up when it's done that I'm going to be up for at least another hour on Twitter, reading folks' tweets, just trying to calm down so I can sleep. So I'm just going to be a wreck every you know Thursday morning, basically.
1: And, and just shout out to all the after shows. I think we had like two or three this mm-hmm, season. Mm-hmm. But, oh, that was some needed therapy. You know, you have to process things, have people walk you through it. It gets a little better with these after shows that pop up. And I wonder if they're going to do that for season three, because I hadn't really heard anything about it. I know they had that one show with mm-hmm. that weird hope. Yeah. I it, but there was, uh, was it The Verve? Mm-hmm. They had a great show um, online, but without those shows, I don't see how I would have gotten any sleep. I was thinking I was thinking
0: maybe after the first episode, we should do a live podcast afterwards. We'll have uh-huh. to talk about it. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll, we'll talk in the
1: DMs.
0: <laughs>
1: we'll talk in <with> the DMs. <laughs> I would need a life blur to get through that.
0: Listen, I know the the only thing I will probably be doing after the first episode is swearing. <laughs> it's just gonna be like, what the f just happened? What the <laughs> f just happened? <laughs> okay, so um, the only other thing we need to talk about is Angela and um, Angela and Elliot had this interaction on the subway. So when Elliot was trying to figure out where Tyrell was, Angela was texting him basically um, and wanted to meet. And so they met on the subway. And whenever they're on the subway and there's no one else in the subway car, I just don't know what to think about that. Maybe that's their way of saying maybe, Elliot was so focused on Angela that they didn't notice that it was a subway car full of people, but I just feel like there's something false about the scene in some manner when there's just like nobody else on a subway car in New York City, but the two of them for, you know, more than one stop. What do you think when that happens?
1: I, I have no frame of reference for that. I've never been on a subway, but I would imagine, yeah, it should be more people there. But maybe it's a trope to say that something's about to happen here. Mm-hmm. There's something you're supposed to pay attention to. Exactly. It actually happens because, um, like I said, uh, I'm sorry, but my <clears throat> I, was, I wasn't able to watch the full scene on my computer, but I can't remember if, we actually see the people come on. We don't see we don't, we don't see, we see, see them Angela come on. We don't see them come on. We see
0: Elliot get off and Angela turns around and they just walk up to her. Like they're already on the subway. Huh. Like we don't see them yeah. come through any doors. We just kind of see them from behind walk forward into the scene, which is just like the whole thing is just weird
1: to me. Uh, uh. Yeah, I think it's it's just a setup to build attention, you know, to have a surprise, like, there's nobody here, but now, dun, 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 Mm -hmm. you know.
0: And that does set us up for what's going to happen in the next episode with Angela. But um, when they're they're on the subway, um, Angela just basically lets Elliot know, I know you started F society. Like there's no preamble. She's just like, when did you start F society? And his face is like, what? Um, And then she, (laughs) she tells him that she can't take it that, you know, Dom has just seen her um, note that they can't win. She's going to turn herself in, but she would never, you know, let the FBI know about his part in it and basically telling him, you know, she can't take it anymore. Um, but she also talks about Mr. Robot. And it's always, it's interesting to me when like Darlene casually reveals and Angela casually reveal that they know about the existence of Mr. Robot. Um, because she talks about this time where Elliot was in a museum and he was just screaming and ranting and raving. And Elliot has, like, no memory that this happened at all, which is just showing us once again that his, we can't trust his recollections of things. But um, she tells him basically that whatever he's telling you or whatever he's trying to do with you, it's don't trust him. And I just thought that was interesting that she's treating Mr. Robot and, Angel, and Darlene treats Mr. Robot like it truly is a separate
1: it brings up the question to me. <clears throat> Both Angela and Darlene know that Elliot is not well in his mind. He should be medicated. He mm-hmm. should be under some kind of treatment and therapy. And I know you have to be responsible for yourself, but considering how close they are to him why haven't they tried to do better by him by getting him to seek help, to pointing out to him, this whole plan of yours is a result of your broken mind. You cannot go through with this. You can't do this. Mm -hmm. Has anybody tried to stop Elliot from doing anything with F society? I mean, especially Darlene. No, but I, I just, I always wonder, like, okay, you have these two people in your life, and they obviously care about you, but why is it that nobody is really trying to be hands-on and actually stopping you from doing a very bad and potentially damaging thing, not only to yourself, but to society as a whole?
0: Well, we know Darlene was was right there in there with him. Did they even know that he's seeing Krista? What was that? I said, do they know that he's seeing Krista, that he's been in therapy? Like court ordered therapy?
1: I, I don't know if they know that, but they know he should be on medication. Wow. Well, Darlene went to go pick up his meds at one point. Mm-hmm. Just I don't know. I just feel like Enabling. They're enabling him somewhat. For yourself, but at some point, you know, if you see somebody who's doing that much harm and damage, well, like, shouldn't you step in and do something about it? Maybe just, I, I don't I don't,
0: know. I don't know. I don't I don't I don't know. I'm I i do not have any type of defense for that for them. Um but we see we see this need for Um, Darlene to have her brother and to somewhat have the approval of her brother. So maybe that is preventing her from, you know, it's hard to tell someone you're sick, you need help. Um, Because Mm -hmm. you might fear that they will cut you out of their life, or maybe she's done that in the past and he's, and that's been a time where he decided to forget she existed. And with Angela, you know, Angela is very loyal to Elliot, and we see her in episode one, one, season one, be frustrated with some of the things that he does to her, like um, in the first episode when she wants him to meet her at the bar or whatever, and he doesn't show up, and he kind of keeps letting her down. So she does kind of call him on some things, but not to the extent of, you need help more of let's go smoke weed together and watch Back to the Future 2 type of a thing. But I don't know, but, you know, we did see in this episode, Elliot and um, Angela did share a somewhat romantic moment. They did kiss. So I don't know if that was the first time they've ever kissed or
1: you know, the first time it's gone to that level. They've hinted that they had something going on in the past, but I always felt like it was kind of like one of those awkward kind of crushes, you know, like you're trying to fill out the situation. You're not quite sure if you want it or if the other person wants it. So, you know, let's do a little date here and, you know, a little date there, maybe a smooch on and it just never progressed because well Elliot has issues mm-hmm. so, so it was unresolved but yeah they definitely teased know. it before
0: they've had like some close standing where they could have you know kissed but kind of those longing looks with nothing happening just like
1: you said mm-hmm. I don't know I, I I don't know I want, if I want them to be in any kind of relationship, you know. Maybe maybe just leave leave it where it was. We just leave it here. And I can't imagine.
0: I mean, even when I, Elliot was with Shayla, that seemed, I mean, it's, it wasn't real because Elliot was ignoring this huge part of himself. So, like, I don't even know what kind of relationship Elliot can be in he's so unwell
1: i don't know i guess when you're as lonely as elliot has been once you get a taste of intimacy and affection you know you feel a little close to somebody you kind of hold on to that too tight even Mm -hmm. if it's you know, you're you're holding on to that feeling, that that thing that you want, but in the end, it's not going to work out. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just not on the Elliot and Angela train. Mm-hmm. I don't. Well, don't go.
0: Well, if you're not on that train, don't go into fan fiction because um, some
1: people are silently on that train. No, I gave up on Mr.
0: Robot
1: fan fiction a long time ago. I cannot,
0: I cannot get into it. I just can't. It's, it's like you can't write fan fiction for Mr. Robot because it's such a well-written show that it just seems terrible. Like you can't mm-hmm. casually write Mr. Robot fan fiction. Now I can read um, Arrow fan fiction because that show has gone so downhill that. The fan fiction is much better than the writing on the actual show. And if you are an Arrow fan and you love it, I'm sorry. I just don't. Um, Yeah, the Mr. (laughs) Robot fan fiction just cannot compete to the show. But um, we have two more episodes left in this series, and the next two are real doozies. So I'm just kind of working myself up to rewatch those again in these upcoming weeks. But um, there's been Mr. Robot news happening. There was a second trailer that was dropped in the, I think, two weeks since we recorded. So there was a second um, trailer for season three that dropped. Um, What else did we get? We were talking about this before we started
1: recording. Um, We got a new trailer. Mm -hmm. We got a photo of Rami as Freddie Mercury yes
0: yes girl that was I told you I said I didn't even I like I looked at that and I like read the blurb and like well where's the picture of Rami like I didn't (laughs) even know it was him for the long like I clicked on two different links because I was like maybe they forgot to put the picture in the first link and then I looked at it again I was like Oh, my gosh, that is him. He looked, they did a really good job. The makeup folks did amazing it, work.
1: Getting an image, and I can't wait to actually see a shot, because we know Rami can gyrate, you know. Mm-hmm, He's got mm-hmm. some boobs. The hips don't lie, but I really want to see him, you know, actually becoming Freddie. So yeah. I, I can't wait to come out and I hope it's soon you know just a little taste just a little tease
0: I want to hear some music because he actually sang does he hear that he's not lip-syncing no I think they said it's a mixture of but he's definitely laying down vocals
1: oh oh yes, yes I'm ready for that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I think I tweeted that out and I said it's it's gonna be nice to see our pocket prints in a
1: different role. I'm um, I'm happy for him. I think I think it's gonna be a great, you know, like not a breakout role, but to really put him this feels awkward, you know, back on the map with Hollywood. Mm-hmm. We we know he's great on television, but I mean really the standout role that I can think about is him in, you know, Night at the Museum. And yeah. what was that um that other weird movie with all the cars? Uh
0: wasn't he in Twilight? Wasn't he in the Twilight series? Like he was a vampire what? or something? Or a werewolf? Uh, uh, I didn't watch that but I know he was in it.
1: Hold on, let's ask Google. Come here Google. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mommy, Twilight. Yes, he was in Twilight. Who was he or what was he? He was in Breaking Dawn. Hmm. Morandi in okay. Breaking Dawn. No, Benjamin, I guess. Benjamin is his okay. name in Breaking Dawn. Oh, he's so young and fresh-faced. You have to go out and go. You know, like, I will get into the DMs and we'll talk about this. But he's very young <laughs> and fresh-faced. Oh, I think I, I saw. I
0: think I saw. I think he was on like the on the cover or in the poster or something. I saw one photo from that movie, but I never saw any of those actual films. So I don't know what he actually did or did not do. Twilight. <laughs> I think I was an adult when that came out, and I could not, I just couldn't, I just couldn't get into it.
1: I had a coworker worker who was obsessed with it, and my only goal was to teach her about it every day. So I read the books just so I could troll her about everything that was in the book. That's all I remember from Twilight. You know what?
0: I say, yeah. you know what? My sister read all the books, and she's older than me, so I can't even be like I was an adult because my older sister read them all, and she loved them. And she kept trying to get me to watch, to read it. And I was like, girl, I just cannot. I'm just going to sit with my Harry Potter. But, <laughs> but
1: no, no, no. So I mean, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. Um, so we had a trailer. Um, Rami is Freddie, And I, the photo from Entertainment Weekly, I guess that's going to be the opening shot. Mm-hmm for episode one, season three, where we see Rami on the floor, blood all over, with uh, Kyle's hand trying to cover his wound.
0: Well, that's nice Um, that they're doing that because they ended season one with the knock at the door, and we didn't get to see the resolution of that until, what, episode nine or episode eight? So it's mm -hmm. nice that he's actually going to be merciful and you know kind of tell us right away what happened with with um elliot and tyrell
1: they're going fall into that trap you know, oh, no. you know they're gonna <laughs> it's gonna be a I roller coaster what... ride it's just gonna be too much mm-hmm.
0: and the other thing we saw it. is um uh, hello, friend. Hello, friend Akira. She tweeted out a picture of BD Wong at the um, Creative Arts Emmys um, looking <laughs> adorable and um, short pants in his tuxedo. He's
1: so precious.
0: I love him so much. Like, every part. I love his face. I love his hair. I love his cute little body. Like, every bit of it.
1: I just love his attitude. You know, he's not afraid to go in on folks on Twitter. You know, he loves to give his shout out I, I just, I appreciate Beauty. He He appreciates his fans. He's not afraid to engage with them. Yes, know, and as we experienced, that. as we experienced firsthand. Yes, ma'am. Yes. I'm going to have to tweet this at him so I can get another shout out get my life. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking about
0: engagement, we were you were saying how um, him and Black Girl Nerds should just get married, him and Jamie, because um, he loves to um, talk to Jamie on Twitter.
1: The Twitter married already. Yes, we and I it. love it.
0: I love it. Every <laughs> time he tweets at her, I just love it for her.
1: And, and has the nerve to call her by her government name i just i can't with those two they're so cute
0: so so cute and i remember the first time he tweeted at her she was so excited everybody was like oh my god oh yes but um they're fun and we are for our shout out this week we are shouting out um at black girl nerd so I'm assuming most of you probably already follow Black Girl Nerds, but if you don't, you should definitely go over and follow at Black Girl Nerds on the Twitters. Um, She has a blog as well. Um, If you guys don't know about Jamie, you should. Um, Jamie Brotnack started at Black Girl Nerds. She is also helping to start um, Universal Fan Con, which is next spring in Baltimore, So you should check out their Twitter page as well. She was just um, put on the advisory board for sci-fi. So she is really making a name for herself. And she just started out, you know, like a regular person, just like you and me. And she just followed her dreams and stuff is just taking off for her. So, yeah, definitely shout out to Black Girl Nerds doing her Uh thing. So maybe that'll be us one day.
1: We then we could quit our day job maybe and be happy. <laughs> I just need her to break off just a little bit of that shine, just a tiny little bit, and we might be okay because yeah. she is just doing things. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, she, she is. I'm.
0: I'm gonna have to tell you in the DMs about a dream I had that involved at Black Girl Nerds. And I'll have to tell you about that in the DMs. So. Oh
1: yeah. Oh will. Oh I'm typing. I'm-
0: Get <laughs> I'll tell you after we hit, after we um, stop recording, because I don't think I can type it. But anyway, you guys have spent another hour and a little bit of change with us. As we talked about episode 10 of Mr. Robot, we only have two to go. And then we have less than a month for season three to drop, which we are all excited about. Um, so I am at C to Lean. You can find me on Twitter at C T A L L E E N. Where can they find you, Miss Southern Senate? You can find me on the
1: Twitters at Southern Senate
0: cool and you can find this podcast we are part of the brothers comics family you can find us on apple Podcasts. you can find us on soundcloud and stitcher and we thank you and we will see you next week good night bye
1: for full steps